another Sunday in which we are somewhat separated. I'm just praying that this will uh, be able to be rectified soon, and uh, certainly grateful to have the ability to speak to you th- over the air, though. Uh, psalm chapter 51 is an interesting psalm, and I'd like to start out by just asking a question this morning. How is your attitude? How's your attitude? Is it being taxed by all this quarantine madness and virus uncertainty, the economy taking a hit. I tell you, it's easier for us to get discouraged uh, even as we sit at home uh, because of things that we cannot do or the things that we feel that are taken from us. And it can affect our attitude. It can give us a bad spirit. Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor, and he said, everything can be taken away from a man but one thing to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Having a right attitude, having the right spirit in uncertain times is so vitally important uh, for us as Christians, as children of God. Your attitude or your spirit will determine how you live your life day by day. By that, it will inter- determine, and this is where it gets really important, it will de- determine your impact on people for the cause of Christ. Both the hummingbird and the vulture, they fly over the nation's deserts. All vultures see is exactly what they're looking for, rotting carcasses of of dead animals, really, rotting meat. They thrive on this diet. But, But the hummingbirds, they ignore the putrid flesh of dead animals. They don't want to have anything to do with that. In fact, They look for the flowers, the blossoms that are uh, all over the desert plants. The vultures live on what was. The vultures live on the past. They fill themselves with what is dead and gone. But hummingbirds live on what is. They seek new life. They fill themselves with the freshness and uh, newness of life that is before them. Each bird finds what they're looking for. And here's the point I want to make with that. So do we. We all do. We find, in fact, expectation has much to do with your outcome. Much of our daily life's prosperity or failure is found in your attitude, your spirit. We're going to use the word spirit today, but that's where I'm uh, talking about that, that meaning of the word spirit as in our attitude. How's your spirit today? You will impact people. You'll either bless them or cause them pain through your spirit. What type of an attitude you have. John Maxwell said, people may hear your words, but they feel your attitude. And this is (coughs) true also as we witness to others and try to be encouragement to others for the cause of Christ. There are different things that can crush your spirit. There are different things that can get you to the point to where you're Quite honestly, your attitude stinks. You know, we get to that point in our life and uh, we, we have to be careful that we don't allow the flesh to take over. Now, circumstances are one of them. Circumstances, uh, you could claim that we're in that situation now. 
that we are in circumstances that can pull us down, pull our spirit down, give us a bad attitude. Don't be a victim of circumstances. None of us are a victim or should be a victim of circumstances. You have three choices in bad circumstances. You can let it define you. You can let it destroy you or you can let it develop you. You have to respond to circumstances correctly. Not only circumstances, but sin. We allow ourselves to have sin in our life. It'll cause us to feel guilt and shame, regret, and a sense of failure. Like the vulture, you'll live on the putrid remains of your past failures. Or with God's help, he can renew your spirit. Read with me if you would. Psalm 51, starting at verse number 7. The Bible says, Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And here it is. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Father, I pray this morning you'd help us in these few moments together. May we see something in your word that'll specifically aid and assist in our being a better servant of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This psalm, as you know, is a psalm of David's repentance. Uh, David had committed the sin of adultery, which led to the sin of deceit, which led to the sin of murder. And for a year, David had lived with the weight of this sin on his shoulders. He had, he had, uh, been, had to deal with the guilt and the regret. It had a devastating effect on his spirit. Sin always does. If we allow sin in our lives, <coughs> it will crush our spirit. This is where David, this psalm is where David, were for once and for all, gets right with God. It is here that David pulls the scab off of his infected life. He allows God to cleanse him and purify him for the first time since his sin. The psalmist of Israel recognizes his own filthiness. Uh, Psalm 51 gives us a clear representation here of a second chance. Aren't you glad we serve a God of second chances? Someone who is willing to forgive us and allow us to continue. I think of Israel when they came to God and demanded a king. We want to be like all the other nations, and so they demanded a king. And then later it says how much they regretted that decision, and God said, you'll still be my people. I'll still bless you. I'll still be your God, despite their big mistake. Now, before we beat up on David for his choices, it's good to realize that every single one of us has needed forgiveness. Every single one of us has needed a second chance in our life. In the middle of David's repentance here, in the middle of his rejoicing, I want to—I see renewal, and that's what I'd like to deal with this morning for a few minutes. You'll find it in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's David's prayer. Notice that the S or the H and the S are not capitalized. This is not referring to the person of the Holy Spirit, but David recognized that when he lived for God, there was a certain spirit of holiness in his life. This had been taken away when he covered his sins. 
he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. And David was not prospering. He was, uh, his spirit was affected. That spirit that he once had, that closeness to the Lord that he had, it's gone. He said in verse number 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy, not my, but thy salvation. He wanted that joy back. By the way, he did not lose his salvation. He said to restore the joy of his salvation, not to restore his salvation. And then he says, uphold me with thy free spirit. I think of 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's interesting, though, what he claims he can do when God renews his spirit. He, he's coming to the Lord and he's asking for forgiveness. He's asking for God to renew that spirit that he once had. And notice he says what he says in verse 15, or, or verse 13 actually, what he will do when God renews his spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. David's request in the midst of his repentance was that God would give him a right spirit. And then he talks about what he will do with it. I want to preach this morning for a few minutes on the power of the right spirit. We have the right spirit the power that is in that. Now, we live in uncertain times, obviously. We're in the middle of it. Now, you can get a pack of toilet paper now, which is a move up from where we were a few weeks ago, but you can't get a haircut. You can't go to the beauty parlor. Uh, you, can't, uh, you, you can't go to a restaurant. There's a lot of things we still cannot do. And if you watch the news, you'll see everywhere that people are angry. What's going to happen? What comes next? And there's uncertainty, there's fear, and there's uh, anxiety that resides in the American people today. Certainly, circumstances can cause us to have the wrong spirit. Now, we've dealt with a number of things during this uh, broadcast, our Sunday morning uh, messages about dealing with fear and about dealing with uncertainty and all these things, trying to uh, help people through this time. Uh, but I'm telling you, circumstances can get us into the wrong spirit. It can get us discouraged. And But today, specifically in the text, we're dealing with how sin affects this. But uh, don't let circumstances... Uh, involved either in pulling you down into discouragement. In the context of verse number 10, David understands that without cleansing, there will be no right spirit. You cannot have the right spirit in your life if there are things in your life that grieve God. Jesus, uh, we see this in Luke chapter 9, because every one of us has a potential. Every one of us has a potential to have the wrong spirit. Luke chapter 9. There's a village of the Samaritans, and the disciples went and they knocked on doors, and they tried to, I mean, just as a picture, give out gospel tracts and witness, and do all these things, talk about Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. And as they're doing so, this, there's a city or a village here that rejects them. And uh, this upset the disciples because none of us like rejection. We don't like a slam door in our face. And so they had just had one too many slammed doors in their face, and the disciples got all upset about it. And they came to Jesus, and they said, Hey, Jesus, you know the story. Why don't you let us, or why don't you call down fire from heaven and just wipe this city out? Imagine that. I've went soul winning many times, <coughs> much of the city of Brookings, actually, and, and uh, knocked on different streets and, and uh, 
I can identify certain areas. You, you get done with a certain street or you spend some time in a certain area and you, there's a lot of rejections. And, and I can identify, but man, calling fire down from heaven to burn everybody up? You know what Jesus' response was? Luke 9, 55. He rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit ye are of. You know you can be saved and have a bad spirit. You know you can be serving in ministry and have a bad spirit. According to this passage, you can be saved and have a bad spirit and not even know that you have it. A bad spirit hinders the working of God in your life. A bad spirit affects everything. It affects your relationship with God. It affects your relationship with your mate and with your children and with other brothers and sisters in Christ. It affects your daily attitude. It affects your impact on others. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs and re he recorded different times in his own life that uh, he had a different types of a, of a spirit. In 15.4, uh, he said you could have a breached spirit. This is a picture of a, a woman who has trouble giving birth because the baby is breached. It means that the baby is turned the wrong way. There's times in our lives where we're turned the wrong way. That's what he's talking about, having a breached spirit. Hey, is it not tempting right now to be turned the wrong way in our spirit because of the things that are going on? Proverbs 15.3, you can have a broken spirit. Proverbs 16.18 speaks of a haughty spirit. 16.19, you can have a humble spirit. 17.27, you can have an excellent spirit. 18.14, you can have a wounded spirit. 25.28, you can have an unruly spirit. That's a spirit that's out of control. I ask again today, what sort of spirit do you have? I'm not sure we understand how much power there is in our spirit being right before God. Your spirit, for lack of better terminology, this I'm not trying to sound new agey, but your spirit uh, gives off an energy, if you will. Uh, people that spend time around you or spend any time with you will pick up what your spirit is laying down. In other words, if you're discouraged, that oozes out of you and you end up discouraging other people around you. If you're filled with anger, it cannot help but hurt those around you. If you're filled with bitterness, it will defile those that are around you. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You can't have a bad spirit and it not affect someone. Often many people. What kind of spirit do people pick up when they're around you? What kind of spirit do you have? We put a lot of focus on doing the right things for God, and that is good. We ought to do the right things. But I believe there's a desperate need for so many of us not only to do the right things, but to reach the point in our life where we have the right spirit before God. We're right before Him. The key to David, here in Psalm 51, the key to David getting right with God was not to change his behavior, but to change and renew his spirit. His behavior would follow the inward change. Getting the right spirit. When he got God on the inside, it showed up on the outside, and it will do so for all of us. The power, power of the right spirit.
How can we be effective in leading people closer to God, whether it be winning them to Christ or helping a weaker brother grow in Christ? How can we be effective doing that? By having the right spirit. People will receive what you have when you have the right spirit. David said, if you give me the right spirit, I'm going to do two things. I will teach transgressors thy ways. And then he said, sinners will be converted. I'm saying this morning, if we, if my spirit is right, I'm going to have a bigger impact. If your spirit is right, you'll have a bigger impact. Somewhere along my journey of life, somebody will pick up what I am uh, putting forth uh, with the right spirit with God and will want what I have and it'll make a difference. When you're right with God and your spirit is right with God, I guarantee you will make an impact. Years ago, Will Houghton became the president of Moody Bible Institute during the 1940s. There was an agnostic in his area uh, that was contemplating suicide, so the story goes. Now, he was desperate, and he decided that if he found a preacher, a man of God who was the real deal, he'd listen to him and do what he says. And so he hired a private detective to follow Will Houghton, and uh, he did so investigated him, followed him, took pictures and all the things that you'd expect an investigator to do. When he came back with his report, he revealed that the preacher's life was above reproach. He lived what he preached. He said he, what he said is also what he did. That agnostic did go to Will Houghton's church and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior and later sent his daughter to Moody Bible Institute. Now I just have a question for you today. What would happen... If a sinner followed you around for 24 hours? What would happen if a sinner followed you and looked at everything you did for a week? Would, they, would it make them want to be a Christian? Or would it push them further away? Too many Christians today live the kind of life and have the type of spirit that don't draw people to Christ. It pushes people away from Christ. And David said, listen, Lord, if you renew that spirit in me that I need, I'm going to reach people. Sinners will be converted. I'll teach transgressors thy ways. Secondly, we also have the power to refresh people burdened with the problems of life. <clears throat> First Samuel chapter 16. You don't have to turn there, but we find in that story Saul. He's the first king of Israel. Now, we, we're all aware of Saul's problems, his proclivities, and he had some issues in his life. But can you imagine the responsibility of being the first king of Israel? I mean, all the things that he had to institute in this great burgeoning nation that had never had a king before, to set up a kingdom where none existed. Can you imagine how many times Saul heard the phrase, we've never done it that way before? And he had to do all that. Sometimes he was completely overwhelmed. What did he do? Well, he called on a boy named David. David played a harp. And the Bible records for us that David would come in and play for King Saul. And the spirit of David was so in tune and right with God that the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 23, that he refreshed the spirit of Saul. If you have the right spirit, you will have the ability to, through God's help and power, you will refresh the down and out. You'll restore the discouraged. It doesn't take that much. Honestly, you know, we, we, we think sometimes it's moving mountains, but a kind word, a note, unfortunately not a hug right now, but maybe later. 
but a, a reaching out, touching someone, letting people know that you love them. A kind word can make a difference in someone's life long after you forget even saying it. There's such brokenness in our world today, especially in this time, filled with uncertainty. With all the current issues that are going on, a kind word might just be the difference between somebody being discouraged and giving up, someone holding on another day. Go ahead. I encourage each and every one of you and you that are watching, go reach out to someone today. Make someone feel special. Give words of kindness. Make an impact for Christ. The kind word is like ointment to the wound of a broken spirit. Be that ointment. Promote Christ. What led a woman to the feet of Christ? We know the story. Remember, she came and was so overcome with emotion that the Bible says she bathed the feet of Jesus with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Do you know why she did that? Because of how well Jesus could expound on the Old Testament scriptures. No, not at all. Now, is it important? Yes. Jesus knew and could preach the Old Testament scriptures. That's not what drew this woman to him. I would submit to you that it was not because of his, uh, his knowledge of the Bible that brought and drew her in. She saw a man of God whose lip did not curl when he looked at her. She saw someone in whose eyes was love and acceptance. By the way, here's a key that we have to remember. When she found that, she was ready to run from her sin to that uh, Savior. When she saw the love of Christ, the very thing she was seeking, acceptance, love, fulfillment, is exactly what sin can never deliver, and Jesus Christ can. Sin never satisfies. It hurts. It causes emptiness. And the average person is seeking blindly often love and acceptance. And it's a crying shame that if in our neighborhood, uh, the neighborhood tavern does a better job than the local church in giving it to them. We need to show the love of Christ. Would to God we live the kind of life that we had the type of spirit that that uh, sinners that would give sinners a place to turn to? Would that we had a church that had the kind of spirit and love for one another that uh, it would give us a place for sinners to run to and find healing? Instead of condemning the action of a sinner, which the action of a sinner is bad. We know that. We understand that. But how about we show them a Christ who can truly satisfy their longing? So much of this depends on our spirit. What kind of spirit do we have? David said, Lord, you renew that spirit within me, and I'll be able to teach others. I'll be able to win people to you. You need to have the right spirit. Right spirit. Don't let these times drag you down into a wrong spirit. Psalm 1611, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. This acceptance is why people chase sin, only they never find it there. But they find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. We just need to love on people. You say, I can't love some people. There's a story, I've used this story before, but I find it hilarious. 67-year-old carpenter from Illinois name of Russell Herman, died in 1994. And he left behind an incredible will. In fact, he included more than $2 billion for the east, uh, a city of East St. Louis. 
He left another $1.5 billion for the state of Illinois. He gave $2.5 billion for the national forest system. This is all in his will. And then, as a final stroke of generosity, he left $6 billion with a B, billion dollars to the government to pay off the national debt. Sounds incredibly generous, doesn't it? There was only one small problem, that when Henry died, his only asset was a 1983 Oldsmobile. That's all he had. His promises were absolutely meaningless because he had nothing with which to back them up. It's nice to make the promises, but he had nothing to back them up. And here's the deal when it comes to loving people. We, it comes from a reservoir that we don't really have. We can't. There are some people that are difficult to love, and it's hard for us to love all the time as we should. It, it, it comes from a reservoir that we cannot possibly manufacture ourselves. <clears throat> but God allows us to tap into his love. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Amen? No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Now listen carefully what this says. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. That's what we need. We need the right spirit. We need to be have that renewed in us. And sometimes we allow circumstances to affect that. Sometimes we allow sin to affect that. Listen, friend, we like David need to come to God and say, Lord, I must have the right spirit and then I can be an impact to others. Then I can teach others and then I can uh, bring transgressors to you. People will not initially respond, I have found, to a theological dissertation. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a brass, a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Basically what that verse is telling us is, hey, it doesn't matter how many PhDs you have behind your name or how many doctorates you have accumulated because if you don't have love, it's all in vain. Basically a waste of sound. If you don't have love, the right spirit. Too often we underestimate the power. And I'm talking, and this is really practical. This is deep practicality right here. A smile, a kind word, a listening ear, an honest compliment, the smallest act of caring. All of these things have the potential to turn a life around if we just, in the right spirit, try to impact others for Christ. Teach transgressors thy ways, and then bring people to Christ. David said, you give me the right spirit, and I'm going to make an impact. Then, then I can help those that are enslaved in sin. Then I can bring people to the place of salvation. Then I can make people thirsty for the living water that I have. There is power, power in having the right spirit. If you've got the right spirit, it will, it will build people up instead of tearing them down. Can I tell you today, friend, God does not use you for your great abilities. He gave those to you. God does not favor you because of your talents. In other words, and I hate to burst anybody's bubble, but God is not impressed with you. He gave you what you, he made you who you are. If you have a singing talent, God gave you that. God blesses a right spirit. That's what he blesses. 
That's what we need to have. You remember in Luke chapter 24, two men are going to Emmaus. It was after the crucifixion. They are deeply discouraged. Jesus had been crucified. Uh, they didn't know what to do next. And as they're walking, someone joins them. We know from the Bible it was Jesus, but he hid himself from them. And he had the right spirit. He did not rebuke them for being discouraged. He did not kick them while they were down. He did not criticize them, not demean them. In verse 27, it says what he did. In beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. You had two men here who were ready to throw in the towel. Jesus encouraged them with the word of God. In verse 32, they were talking to one another. You know what they said? Did not our heart burn within us when he talked with us by the way? While he opened to us the scriptures. Man, didn't he do something that set us on fire again? There is something in me that wants to get back in the game and wants to get going again. I know I've been discouraged. I know I've wanted to quit. But getting around him encouraged them to get right with God. You having the right spirit can motivate someone to get going again for God even though they've been discouraged. I've used this example before too, but I love this story. A church member had stopped coming to church for a while and the pastor went to visit him. He was an older bachelor farmer. When he came up to his house, he found the man at home alone there sitting in front of a fireplace. And as he was a man of few words, he just came and opened the door, motioned the preacher in, and they both sat down, and neither one of them had said a word. And while they're sitting there watching the fire, the pastor walks over to the, the fire, and he, he reaches down with the fire tongs and picks up a glowing coal right out of the middle of the fire, and he moves it aside and sets it by the hearth all alone. He sits back down. Again, no words are spoken. They sit there and watch while that coal slowly loses its light, loses its life, and then loses its heat and just becomes a, a cold and dead. Still no word was spoken. The pastor finally glanced at his watch and he slowly stood up and he picked up that dead ember and he puts it back by the other embers in the fire. Being around the right influence. Now, embers didn't jump all over it, didn't uh, beat it up. They just did what they did. They just glowed. And soon, this uh, ember that had been removed and put back uh, began to glow once again. It had the light and warmth of the burning coals around it. The pastor gets to the door, and the story goes that his host came with a tear running down his cheek, says, thank you so much for your visit and your fiery sermon. <laughs> There are all kinds of embers in our community, cold and dead. They need some fire. They don't need to be beaten up. They don't need to be disparaged. They just need to get around somebody with the right spirit, somebody that will just glow the love of Christ. And listen, I know that in times like we live in right now, it's hard for us to focus on souls. It's hard for us to focus on needy people. 
I hope that our church family continues to call one another and be a blessing to one another, but it's easy for us to become very self-centered and because of that become discouraged. Uh, we can become angry at other people in the body of Christ and don't even know why. We're just have a bad spirit. Renew that spirit. David said, you renew that spirit and I'll be able to make an impact. That's what we need to make an impact for God. With the right spirit, you can touch a life and make a difference for eternity with the right spirit. David, another psalm, I don't even remember where it's found, but David did not say that my cup is filled to the brim. No, he said, my cup runneth over. You know what happens when your cup can run over? What runneth over, it can spill on someone else, amen? That's the idea there. My cup runneth over. How's your spirit today? How's your spirit? Have the times that we live in affected you to the point where you have a bad spirit, a bad attitude? Why don't you get on your knees, it can be right there at home, before God today, and just ask him, I want a right spirit. I want a right spirit. In fact, we have not yet done this in all the times that we have broadcast. We have a few people in the church today, and we're going to have the pianist come and play. We're going to leave it running while she plays. If you're at home, you can sit there and bow your head with us. You can pray. Uh, if you're here in the building today, we have a few people here in the building today, you're welcome to come to the altar as she plays. But let's just ask God for a right spirit. Then, then we can impact people. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Let me ask you, friend, is it worth a right spirit to have people saved? I think so. Is it worth a right spirit to see people grow in Christ? Absolutely. While she plays, let's pray together as we need.